Welcome to Roguecast, the official podcast of Rogues Gallery. We'll talk comics for the week, as well as whatever news is on our pop cultural radar. I'm Randy. I'm Nick. This is Dave. And now, on with the show. Episode 402 of the Roguecast, recorded January 24th, 2023. Davey McMahon talk. Welcome to the last Roguecast of January. Uh, you made it sound so dire. Yeah, there was a I thought you were about to like turn around like a Bond villain with a cat, like, welcome to the last roguecast of your lives. That's what I was going for. Um, and then I gave you a swerve. It's just January. And then, then like the poison gas comes down in the room we're recording <laughs> <Yes>. in. <laughs> oh, well, bye. <laughs> um, yes, we made it through January. Good we job, did. everybody. January? Good, yeah, good job, everyone. Yep. Uh, there's... Uh, what do you have this week? Comics. Talking about the new D&D trailer. Yep. Uh, other stuff. Games. I don't know. Other trailers. Maybe things we're watching. We're talking I don't about know. stuff we're reading. Yeah. Nick and I are going to talk about a book. We're, we're talking about a book, Dave. An actual book. What? Yeah. Nerds. A book. Nerds. But uh, before we get to that, uh, yeah, we'll start with by talking about, uh, we did get the Avatar The Last Airbender RPG. Yep. Oh, right. Which is uh, by the same folks that made the Root RPG uh, and is based on, is Apocalypse World based. It is a root, pretty, based on the board game root. The board game root. Yep. Right. This is a pretty swanky looking game. It's got a really nice hardcover rule book, and then also a hardcover like adventure guide called I think it's one she. It's the it's the big owl from the library. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. If yeah, I'm not mistaken, one of the coolest things about the Avatar game is that it comes with back background lore for each of the different big eras of it. Yep. So you can play in the era of Last Airbender, or you can pay, play in the far-flung past. You can play in the era of the Kyoshi, Kyoshi Warriors and yeah. all that stuff. Before the Fire Nation attacked. Yes. And changed everything. Yes. Oh, and you can play in Korra's you era. You can play Korra's era, yeah. Yeah, uh, that, is, that is very cool. Am I correct that the system is a little more on the indie side of things? Yeah, like, it's, it's Apocalypse World. Basically. It is actually yeah. Apocalypse yeah. World, but I'm sure heavily modified as people do yep. with that. Yeah, it's got, you get um, playbooks and that kind of thing. For people who haven't uh, played the Apocalypse World stuff, I'm not going to like go into any detail on it, but it is a neat little indie system that is kind of brings out sort of things that you might not think to do with your character otherwise and things like but that always fits the genre mm-hmm. so that each time when they make one if they make the dungeon world is like very kind of classic D&D explore find treasure and sort of stuff up the original one which was called Apocalypse World was was like a Mad Max kind of dark future dystopian thing but whatever they do like superheroes and other stuff uh, they've even done romance ones. Mm-hmm. They always have these elements in it to foster this stuff so that, like, if you're playing the romance one, it's not going to get, like... It, there's, like, a supernatural romance, like Buffy and True yep. Blood and stuff like that. It's not going to get, like, uncomfortable and super weird, but it does have stuff in there that prompts those conversations. You will get, like, bonuses for, like, you know, oh, I'm helping out the character my character has a crush on. Like, they always think about that stuff. So I'm sure there's all kinds of stuff in this Avatar game that is meant to prompt those great moments from, like, the Avatar cartoons. Yep. It's it's really good. I've read through some of it. Also, we do have one last Kickstarter starter package. So, basically, you can get the two main rule books, the dice, the dice bag, the uh, cloth map of the uh, of the, of the yep. area, yep, and uh, and like a combat action deck. It's it's a pretty good deal. And PDFs to go with rule books. In the off chance you have not watched Last Airbender, consider it a must. Yes, it should take precedence over all other animation in your life, whatever right. that animation may be. Right, exactly. And if you're watching, say. Uh, Vox Machina. You may be like, "Oh, I like this cartoon about D and D." No, you don't. You want to watch Avatar? That's right. Um, Aang, Katara, Toph. These people will lead you to to the light of freedom. You got you got no love for Sokka. No love for Uncle Iroh. They're all they're all there. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. <laughs> we also we got the D and D Tyranny of Dragons, the very first fifth edition adventure. They put that back together in one book. They did this a while back, a few years back. They did like a, a foil cover version of it, mm-hmm. but it's been out of print for at least a year. And this so is now, is this a new cover on it, Randy? It's I, a I new didn't cover. Print. Yeah, it's got Tiamat. Yeah, it is a it is a great Tiamat yeah. painting. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, you can get that that uh, adventure, which is like a good starter adventure. We got a game called Hive Mind. This is by Richard Garfield of Magic, Magic King of Tokyo, uh, numerous other games. This is a like party game that he's done. He does a lot of different games. Yeah, he's uh, he keeps busy. And then we got D and D Onslaught, which is the um, minis game that they're doing. Yep. Oh right, right. Yeah, that looked fun. It's you know, it's there's there's different factions that you can choose to represent, which are fact, factions from the Forgotten Realms, like the Harpers and the Zentara. Yep. I'm sure, the Red Wizards and stuff like that in there. And uh, and yeah, you like you can go through, and I think I believe there's different challenges. You can have like you know. 
I think just last man standing stuff, but I think you can also probably do capture the flag or get the most get out with the most treasure kind of thing uh, in the dungeons in which it is set. What about can I build my bullywug army? Probably. Okay. Okay. I have not played it yet. You heard it here, folks. I know Dave th- promised me I could play my Bullywug Army. You ask that in every single game we play, even yeah. the most inappropriate games. Look, I just don't want to play Stratego, Stratego if I can't have my Bullywug Army. I'm trying to run a supernatural romance powered by the Apocalypse World Engine. Can I and, play a, and you're like, an could, amorous Bullywug Army? <laughs> and I was like, if that's if that's your thing, you let your Bullywug freak flag fly. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, <laughs> nothing to add. What were we talking about? <laughs> I don't remember. I blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> let's talk about comics for January twenty fifth. Yes, uh, there's a few big releases this week. Yeah, yeah. Well, probably the biggest is TMNT: The Last Ronin Lost Years. This is a prequel to, I would say, the biggest comic of the last year. Yeah. Yep. One of them. Uh, this is uh, the story of the Last Ronin. And how he became the last Ronin. It's like his. I think the other the other brothers are dead, and right. it is like this is how he becomes this uh, this sort of badass that you saw in Last Ronin. Yeah, um, there was obviously a lot of hunger for more material. A lot of people asked us at the time if there would be a sequel. We had no idea, um, but uh, yeah, there is in fact a prequel. <laughs> yep. Um, then there's Sins of Sinister, which is the start of Marvel's new X event, which I think we are all suspecting. This is going to bring an end to the status quo of the Krakoa mutants yeah, and all that. That Probably seems so. about right. But um, it, it is like, for those of you who remember Age of Apocalypse in the 90s, when you got a flipped up X-Men universe where everything you knew for like, what, a year or something yep, like that was yep. different, uh, and it was all an alternate timeline, I believe they, I, I'm not 100% sure, because I haven't read all this yet, but something like that is going to happen. There's some time manipulation, there's maybe a timeline change. They did that with House of X as well, whole Moira and that kind of yeah. thing. Because so. Mr. Sinister, yeah, he's, he's, he's been able to access... Moira, who has like the weird time or reality altering powers, yeah. dimension hopping powers. Nick, you can. She can. I'm probably butchering she, this. She has lifetimes. She basically can change things when she dies. She knows how things go. Does it? Do those universes persist of like the different lifetimes? I don't know. Okay. Anyway, he's doing something messed up. He's doing crazy manipulation. This is all. This is definitely all about so the politics and how he has infiltrated uh, uh, Krakoa and how that builds out in the larger world. But when we know this is going. Is in more of a it's going to be more of a horror tinged uh, alternate timeline, right? And all the comics that spin out of it will be in that new timeline. So it's like every X Men book will become the alternate timeline version right. of either itself or maybe something. I think some of them are pretty different. We're going to get the Immortal X Men, Nightcrawlers, and uh, Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Storm is going to play a pretty pivotal role in this. And uh, I think yeah, it's just those three books. It's not a giant crossover. No. It's three. Mu- it's going to be three months of those. That's probably good. And then Sins of Sinister Dominion, which will sort of wrap it. What's interesting is that the checklist says year 10, year 100, year 1000. So there's going to be like a whole big time jump between each that issue. Was, that was a thing in House of X and Powers of X. Yeah. Yep. They, this, they, does, this feels like the Omega to the House of X, Powers of X. Thing. Yeah. Right. Sort of the the, the, if, the outro, the last, the last yeah. Um, yeah. Big, Sword, big, if, big epic. If Swords of X was the midpoint, this is the finale. Yeah. I agree with that. Um... Would, would the Hellfire Club Gala be the three quarters point? Uh, that is actually it's point. It's a Tuesday uh, <laughs> in October, and also nothing. Um, then uh, we got Action Comics number ten fifty one, which sounds like a big number, but is in fact a jumping on point for Action Comics. Yeah, this is the uh, this is the first book in DC's kind of like a new initiative, new direction called Dawn of DC. Dawn of Dawn, DC. Yep. Um, which is not a reboot. It's or if it is, it's the softest of soft reboots. Don't there's, call it a reboot. There's no uh, nobody gets a new origin or anything. But it is a, a kind of a neat idea, which is it is a coming together of the Superman family. Yeah, Batman's that, had his Batman family for the longest time, and this has that same extended feel that that does because it also includes people who, who are not at least not always made out to be Krypton for just as a Kryptonian. So, for example, Connor Kent. Well, they're all uh, covered. Nick, do you want to break it down? So, yeah, it's uh, Superman, Supergirl, Jonathan Kent, uh, Connor Kent, uh, Kong Keenan, Keenan, uh, and then... It was the Superman of China, essentially. And this looks like Steel's Daughter. That is Steel's Daughter. Steel's Daughter, daughter. yep. 
and, and then, then there two are kids the, from the Warworld twins. Yeah, right. the, the Superman himself in his own uh, in action comics over the last year has been off on off planet on this thing called Warworld, wearing a sexy gladiator outfit. Wearing a sexy gladiator outfit, which kind of hilariously in a scene in this, you see that he has kept it uh, seemingly because Lois likes it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny. There's also Steel is also in it as yeah, well. Right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, he apparently adopted some kids from there, from yep. the war world, which does seem like the kind of thing that Clark would do. He's a good guy. Yep. yep. Um, but, yeah, they have never allied these in such a formal way before, where they kind of are, like, all in communication, all yep. a bit more of a family. Well, and they're also, in talking about, the, in, in the setup, and the only thing they're talking about doing more of, like, kind of what Connor Kent has been doing. The, uh, you know, not super, Superman is like, we're not just, you know, going to stop... Uh, rescue orphans from burning buildings. And he's like, he's like, you know, climate change is a threat, and you know, he's doing yeah. some of the, the activism stuff that, yeah. that Connor has done as a Superman Jonathan. family. Uh, Jonathan, yes, yeah, Jonathan, his, his, yeah, his son specifically was kind of saying like, hey, I'm going to handle things different from you. I always liked that when Tom Taylor was writing it, he didn't do, he wasn't like. You were always doing it wrong, Dad. Yeah, he no. was kind of like, "I'm going to have to find my own direction, way, yeah. and my yeah. direction is going to be more proactive and uh, also a little bit more sort of like maybe beholden to the people in a way." Like yeah. he's, um, and so I like the idea, although they are setting themselves up for some difficulties if they're going to have Superman go up against climate change because that's one of those things that you can't go and resolve in the comic, or it's going to be in Crazy Fantasy Land. Yeah. So I don't know how they're going to handle it. I'm actually it. okay with being in Crazy Fantasy Land. I think that'd be an all right thing. Maybe I um, uh, if if like they use it like I, you can for sure use it to tell stories about the modern times where somebody like Luther is you know you know, burying reports on climate change. Uh, he's like, oh yes, well actually, Luther, you know, it'd be interesting. Luther would uh, normally a lot of people are like uh, bazillionaires are and, and mega corporations. They don't care because they're going to all be dead. They yep. just want to make their money now in their yep. lifetime, and yep. they don't give a shit. Luther is actually the kind of guy who probably expects to maybe be immortal to yeah. have figured out a way to yep. do it. I can almost see him being like, "Yeah, we got to fix this place up. I need a good planet to rule." No, Luther should be pro climate change, and he should be like bright and bright. He should be like every time Luther comes in a room, he should be have a couple hairspray cans, <laughs> like just, like pulling holsters and spray them out. <laughs> like, it's no, me. Mercy comes in doing that. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, "Let's let's uh, let's bring the temperature up, boys." You like uh, like a Bond villain? Yeah, is what you're thinking? Yeah. yeah, you think he's got like a big underground fortress, and he's like, "Oh, we'll be fine." He's like, "I." I can't wait to destroy the earth. Luther is definitely an ultimate kind of we would be fine, but I can see a sort of thing where he would want to be this have the savior complex yeah. and actually could end up a weird ally in this. But I don't then, know what are they going to fight Hoggish Greedly from and then, uh, and then, Well, I mean there is a villain that is a, is you know, show, spraying yeah, uh, hairspray yeah. everywhere. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then Superman's going to become pro climate change just because you can't you can't do it. Luther's got to have some kind of plan. <laughs> That's right. Well, if Luther's for it, then I Not guess I better it. knock out this ozone yeah. layer. <laughs> I just zapped it with my heat vision. <laughs> Did we talk about, uh, real quick, Power Girl in this? No, so we didn't talk about the rest of this, which is like, yeah. this is an anthology. Philip Kennedy Johnson is writing the main story with, I don't know who the artist is, but it's really nice art. It's uh, Sandoval? With, uh, oh, Raphael yeah. Sandoval? Uh, yeah, Rafa Sandoval. Uh, really, really nice. Yep. But uh, after, after their main story, there are two other stories. One is Dan Jurgens continuing his... Story of Lois and Clark raising Jonathan in seclusion. Yep. yep. That is a that's a story they did way back in the like the bridge between New Fifty Two and Rebirth. Right. I think. Right. Um, Beautifully and, drawn by Lee Weeks. Yeah, Lee Weeks who, who drew it back in the yeah, day too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then a third story that is a Power Girl focus, written by Stephanie Phillips, who's been doing Harley Quinn, Leah Williams, and well, Leah Williams, right? And Margaret so, Savage is doing the art. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking of Stephanie Phillips. That's right. That's that's no. a different book. Okay. Yeah, and sort of a it's a focus on Power Girl, kind of. A, Trying to help another hero. Do you know who it is? Is it? I was thinking it was Dreamer, but it's not. No, I don't know who this. Who, she's like a psychologist is, yeah. for the superhero. Yeah. But uh, it also deals is with that character from that Tom King book. It might be. I don't know. I don't know actually, but uh, there's a couple of guest stars that show up. Uh, Power Girl gets a new costume. Uh, yeah, so I don't know, it's a fun little. And, and she feels like a good sort of side character to the, to the superhero <laughs> Superman universe. So. This action action is going to be interesting. Telling like basically three stories. Yeah, I know it's not quite the same as like like all Superman fans. I, I think a real golden age for him was the era when they had all the uh, S issue count uh, yeah. story arcs yeah. in the '90s. Like if you were a Superman fan, that was when every was they were all integrated. This is not quite that, but it is a coming together of Superman family, and it accomplishes some of those same things by yeah. having the, this shared 
uh, universe between them. So, um, yeah, if Superman fans, give it a, give it a look-see. Action 1051. Uh, also returning for a new story arc is Saga with number 61. So this is the second story arc since their giant uh, um, hiatus. And Saga is Saga, continues to be. Um, there is a new Dragon Age comic uh, called The Missing, which uh, our staffer Serena said she liked. I don't know Dragon Age much at all. Uh, it's you know of course it's uh, you know I'm sure Dragon Age fans don't know this but it's uh, what is that uh, Bio- Bioware right mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah and those guys do some of the best stories in comics and have some of the best drawn characters through Mass Effect and Dragon Age so yeah uh, I would imagine um, that like I read enough of the Mass Effect comics to know that they weren't like blow you away amazing but they were pretty good and yeah, like if yeah. I was in a Mass Effect mood it was some pretty good was reading so you know um, I don't know Nick are you a Darkwing Duck fan yes did you read Darkwing Duck I did all right talk about Darkwing Duck. I mean, it feels very much in line with the cartoon from years ago. They didn't uh, uh, make it super dark. No, no. This is just basically a sort of return of form. It, in it a looks, lot of ways, it looks, looks like pretty the, classic. Yeah, in a lot of ways, like the Gargoyles comic that just started up. It has a second issue this week. Yep, and this is just sort of like a return to Darkwing Duck. Uh, he's getting a statue in. Uh, is it Duckburg? I believe is what I it. think that's I right. Believe that uh, is one of the duck locations. Ducktown. And one of his uh, villains comes to stop it because Darkwing Duck can't get anything. Uh, <laughs> what a jerk. Yeah. But it has his one-liners, uh, has the entire cast, like Launchpad McQuack and uh, his daughter Goslin. So, so yeah. Launchpad came from DuckTales. Correct. Right? Yeah. He was like their doofus uh, pilot guy. Yes. Right? And now, uh, how, what, is he, what is he to Darkwing Duck? Doofus pilot guy. Uh, same, same guy. There's just no. Do, they, do the other do the, the uh, ducks from Ducktales ever show up in it? No. Why not? I don't know. But they are the same universe. Yeah, I would imagine so. No, that seems fair. I was just like wondering if it's like, you know, like is is he the Alfred to his thing? Is he like Frenchy? Essentially, it sounds like in Moon Knight. Oh, I, I think, think a little bit, kind of, I loosely Frenchy. If I had yeah. to put a him in a, a category. By the way, two things: if you Launchpad McQuack is the Frenchy of Darkwing Duck. Yes. If you name your kid Launchpad, he's probably going to be a pilot. <laughs> and if you know, that was well. very that worked out. And actually. if your last name is McQuack, I feel like that's a that's an interesting name for duck duck people. <laughs> That'd be like um, I'm, I'm I'm Davy McHuman. Yes, uh, <laughs> Davy McMahon talk. Davy <laughs> 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 um, All right, uh, we also got Inferno Gold Red, uh, which is the latest in the Massive Verse. Right. It's it's a weird name, but I believe it's meant to sound like a, an Eastern name because. It is an homage to the Super Sentai style specifically. Like all the all the massive uh, Radiant Black and stuff like that, the massive verse. Mm-hmm. They are all we know like a Power Rangers homage loosely in that there's all these different colored heroes. Yeah. And the, it's essentially alien suits, right? It's like using all the Sentai though, because it's like there's a common rider Correct. version, the Power Correct. Rangers. So I uh, I kinda skimmed this, I didn't get a chance to read all the way through it, but this is not the same person as Radiant Red, right? No, this is a different I believe it's different. How interesting. I think so, too. Yeah. What's it? So, And I think she actually is called, like, Inferno... She's called Inferno Girl. Inferno Girl. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's Radiant Red and there's Radiant... But it focuses on a, a journalist who maybe got in trouble for being too close to Inferno Girl, and now she can't get a job, and her daughter, who is going back to school at Apex City, where she used to live, and they're, like, moving back into town. So I'm sure she will reconnect with her old pal, Inferno Girl. Yeah. Uh, it seems like people in general does. have been pretty happy with the massive verse uh, yeah. stuff. And the, the the thing that I usually liken it to, it's not obviously not that close, but it it is a little like Invincible. That is to say, yeah. it's an opportunity for Image to do slightly more on the lines of you know like uh, so their own superhero setting, but it's a small setting. It's not like uh, well, it's growing, but it's not sprawling like Marvel and DC. And they can be a little edgier in it. You know, it's a little more like a PG thirteen sort of setting at times. I, I would say. Uh, and does some things that Marvel and DC don't do. So, yeah, if you are looking for something a little bit, just a little off the beaten path, but not that much more than, say, Invincible, uh, all the all the, all the the Radiant books uh, are worth checking out, and, and some of the spinoffs like oh, this, yeah, Inferno sure. Girl. Um, we've got uh, Catwoman One Bad Day, the latest in the... Uh, they, there was one last week for Bane, so I guess it's just kind of rapid fire. Yep. yep. But this is uh, by G. Willow Wilson. Yep. And uh, so, if you like Catwoman and you like G. Willow Wilson, you might check that out. This is um, did 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 uh, did make it around to reading it? Like, is it in the present or is it in the future? I did not get a chance to read this. I know Serena liked it. The one thing that all the ba- the one bad day stuff does is usually 
try and do something that's kind of like a, a definitive think piece on the character, or not definitive, but an interesting think piece, but it's out of continuity, so it lets them kind of sometimes push the boundaries a bit more. Yeah. It definitely look, doesn't look in the future. Okay. It looks like present day. It looks like uh, Catwoman doing a heist. Okay. Huh. Um, uh, uh, one of us will have to read it and f- see what thing makes this sort of the standalone story. What, what, do, they, what do they do with it? Uh, we got a Catwoman couple, does a lot of heists. I feel like that's a, everything she ever does is a heist. A couple notable second issues this, this, this time out. We got uh, Justice Society of America number two. Yep. Which uh, continues the sort of like time travel thing. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, I, I wish that book wasn't such a sort of Jeff Johns mystery yeah. sort of format. But I liked all the scenes in it. Uh, there's cool stuff with the Huntress. I liked seeing, even though, as you pointed out, Randy, it seems weird, but Doctor, not Doctor Fake, the Spectre mm-hmm. of the Golden Age, you found out, you find out about his sidekick, and you're like, the Spectre, the embodiment of the wrath of God, had a cute kid sidekick, <laughs> and it's true. It's a little witch girl who has like a little a broom that's almost like the a rug in Aladdin. It almost looked like she's she came from Clarion's. Uh... Yes, yeah, that, that would make sense. Definitely Clarion, yes. Yeah, um, and um, but this was like you know this is more like the Spectre as he was presented in those days, where he was not like yet the full God's vengeance thing. He was like uh, kind of a, a a mystery man, mystic guy. He was God's yeah. little vengeance. He was God's little vengeance. God's little vengeance. <laughs> just just like no, that's the Adam. <laughs> um, Man, this this opening shot of her arriving, Huntress arriving into the JSA, yeah. that is a classic. Hawkman's uh, look is JSA shot. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you you will see in here some uh, classic uh, JSA foes like uh, Solomon Grundy, uh, and I, like there is some intriguing mystery stuff in it. Uh, I, again, I, I do think it is too convoluted. We get a full but, uh, show of who the villain actually is. Yep, yep. That that sort of firms thing up things up. Um, but yeah, I was, I was just, uh, enjoying most of the, um, most of the scenes in it. So, um, you know, I'm kind of on board this book. I like what Johns is doing in Stargirl as well, the Stargirl miniseries. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I, I have some hopes that this will be a little pocket of the DC universe that I'm going to be kind of keeping up with. And the art is not bad either. Yeah. Uh, Mikkel- is it all Michael Janin? No, it's Michael Janin, Jerry Ordway, and Scott Collins. Okay. I thought that was Scott Collins. Yeah, I did too. Um, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, a lot of, uh, um... Uh, well, let's see. I would say Jerry Ordway has for sure worked with Jeff Johns before. I don't yeah. know that Michael Janin has. Uh, and for sure Scott Collins did on his famous Flash run. Uh, but yeah, that is a good batch of uh, artists to have. Yep. Uh, let's see, what else do we have, Randy? Uh, and then we've got um, um, number two of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Teenage Mutant Ninja, 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 Ninja Turtles. Yep. Uh, and we have number two of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, The Illyrian Ending, which seems to be really good. Uh, third issue of Hell to Pay by Image, and the third issue of Amer- American Jesus Revelation, which I enjoyed. There's a um, DC's that that Lazarus uh, crossover they've got going yeah. on, where everybody's powers are kind of going haywire, and new powers and things are appearing because of the Lazarus volcano eruption. Uh, there's a one shot there called uh, Lazarus Planet. We once were gods. I know it's got some Shazam focus, but I I think there's other stuff in there too. Maybe maybe other mystics. I I know that basically okay. the Lazarus effect is hitting everybody, and it includes mystics and stuff. Oh. And then we got the uh, Iron Cat trade, which was a ton of fun. That was a super fun miniseries. It's just one that I happened to read, even though I'm not fully up on Black Cat. I did find it st- stood alone well enough. Uh, Tony and Tony Stark and Black Cat are an unexpectedly fun yeah. uh, duo to, fun. to see. Uh, both uh, doing the classic buddy comedy thing of hating each other yep. and kind of grudgingly liking each other. Yes. Uh, all right, I think that's it for comics for the week. So we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back and talk about our news for the week. All right, it's time for our news of the week, which uh, we've got a couple of trailers to talk about. Uh, I want to mention, we're not talking about the Scream trailer, Scream 6 trailer, because I am recommending neither of these guys watch it, because I watched it, and I'm mad because they gave away too much stuff. Or do you think they gave away too much? No, and they gave away stuff. Let me ask. They might not, I know, that stuff might not even be in the movie. They're, they're getting deceptive with trailers. Well, no, the Hulkbuster was in it. Ah, see, if the Hulkbuster was in it, yes, and that's true. There's, um, I know that there were, like, y- y'all have both seen, uh, was it uh, Violent Night? 
Yes. And I'm sure that, like, not everything was in the trailer. But I felt like a decent amount was. Is that true? You know, it's funny. When I watched Violet Night, I don't remember the trailer. There were moments from the trailer, but overall... I basically saw... John Leguizamo taking over this house, no, you, you, you and then I saw her communicating with Santa. No, and then I saw he shows up. Um, no, the, and no, then I you, like saw what looked like him taking down a whole bunch of guys. No, you did not. You did not get the majority okay. of the movie. No, okay. But, yeah, I mean that's good. That that means that they're still they're able to make a trailer. I guess that feels like it's showing too much, but yeah. that isn't. Well, the distillation yeah. of a movie into a minute and forty five seconds. is... Well, sure, you're not like going to see everything, but a lot of times you see some of what is clearly third act stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sometimes you like. Sometimes they'll give you a glimpse of the violent uh, showdown between the, the 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 good guy and the bad guy. I was pretty sure in that last Ant Man trailer that that fist fight or whatever that's happening between in Kang and Ant Man that's got to be near the end. Maybe that's yeah. the, the opening gambit. The, the start there. Maybe it's going to be weird. If I were a betting man, so I here, say here's no. the thing. I and one thing I remember about Endgame for the most part is like that they would show us trailers that they they didn't show us much of the tra- Endgame really. Like they yeah. they teased us. Well, well I, I like I, trailers that don't give us. I Brady, think it should be a rule: no third act in the trailer. Randy, uh, you and I were both pissed about that second trailer for... Knock at the Woods. Or Knock, Knock at the, the Cabin. Knock, the... Knock at the Door. Knock at the Door. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah, and wait, let's not even say what it was. No. Let's just say that if you've seen the first trailer it's that was evocative and showed uh, creepy Dave Batista showing up at their cabin, go ahead and stop there. It's probably going to be more fun to watch it unfold than to know... They showed big stuff. But So between Knock at the Door... Which I'm glad you mentioned that. Isn't and it the knock screen, at the cabin? Knock at the cabin, whatever. <laughs> I don't think it's Knock I at think, the Cabin. That's a weird knock title. At the door. I'm looking it up. Right. Or is it Knock at the Cabin Door? Or is it Knock at the Door Cabin? Or is it Cabin Door Knock Knock? No, it's called Knock at the Cabin. Knock Why at the door do you doubt me? <laughs> That's a weird name when knock I think about cabin. it. Knock, knock at the Cabin. You're not knocking on a door. Yeah. Nobody knocks at the cabin. We were somebody at the cabin. Godzilla we were at the cabin and somebody knocked on the door. Is the title that yeah. I've given it? Knock at the door of the cabin by a couple of big guys, including Dave Batista, <laughs> who seems to be playing a weird, gentle guy. Although he is also maybe a bad guy, but we're not really sure because it's an M Night Shyamalan movie based on a book that he probably changed the ending to. He probably changed the ending to. That is the name of the movie. <laughs> now, I think with Scream, there is like a, a I think a good reason to kind of want to avoid it in particular because horror movies are in particular like that and the sort of suspense horror genre like uh, Knock at the Cabin for you Nick um, uh, those, those rely on some twists and turns like yeah. the suspenseful build up yep. of some reveals yep. is usually a big part of those movies yep. I know I will say that the, uh, the Scream 5 trailer made me want to watch the movie when I was kind of a little bit wavering. The Scream 5 trailer is a great trailer. Well, I told you about the the teaser and yeah. you were like, that sounds cool. It does sound cool. Um, but that teaser gave away nothing. Um, um, so, Nick, are you, you're, you're going you're to watch this trailer, uh, right? I mean, maybe. You're clearly going to watch it. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so those are two trailers you should not watch. Uh, <laughs> Ghostface Goes to Manhattan and uh, uh, knock, someone knocks at a door that it belongs to a cabin and it is Dave Batista <laughs> and it is by Mike Night Shyamalan whatever that movie I feel like I call it Dave Batista door knocker Dave Batista door knocker I feel like the history of like movie trailers in general like older movie trailers gave away way more yeah yeah, they sometimes they really bad. did. They, I think, because like even like Hitchcock. But you know why I stuff. think that sort of made sense for the era. There was no internet or anything then. No, no. Like, you were going to see the trailer, and you, you, you know, uh, people did go to the movies a lot. But, but you right? might see it like once or twice, right? And then that was it. So you would just like, and I don't know how much in advance they were, but it was like, like, oh yeah, six months ago I saw one trailer, and yeah, it showed a lot, but I've forgotten it all. Nobody's going to pruder the thing like they do with every <laughs> other trailer. The yeah. 15... <laughs> Thi- secret things you missed while watching. This. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. A like man who knew too four much Easter eggs in the Casablanca trailer <laughs> that, hinted, that hint at a sequel. Because <laughs> I'm almost at the point where I don't need trailers. I, I, I like watching trailers. Me too. But I also have gone into movies blind lately, and it's made for a much more I would, entertaining. Be, because experience. I cannot resist trailers, I would love it if they'd stop making them. I know that they want people. To <laughs> you see. want the temptation to move. The I want seduction. the temptation to move to watch it because yes, I would love to. Just but go you know, I I feel like there's a lot of exceptions. Like I would have assumed this the D and D movie was going to stink uh, until I saw that first trailer, and I was like, okay, yeah, 
you have my attention. There are exceptions. And, and and everybody, but the exception is going to be different for everyone. So you're going to want to see this uh, some breadth of them. But Dave, consider this: I don't care what everyone else wants. Ah, I see. <laughs> so what you would like is a curated list where they don't show you trailers for movies that you're definitely already going to see. Yes, but do show you a few trailers for movies that you might see if the trailer's good enough. No, what I would like is for everything in the world to be catered exactly to me and no one else. Interesting. <laughs> like, did the mega did the M3 again uh, trailer give away too much? Um, not, the first one, no, but like, a, I think the second one I saw, a little bit yes. too much. Yeah, I, I, I believe at least one of those. I started watching it and I stopped halfway through it. I'm like, I definitely want to see this. It looks fun. No more trailer. See, I think all all I need for most of these trailers, and I I understand that things are not even just at me. I need trailers that are like 30, 30 seconds of like some cuts. And then I have my friends to tell me they like the movie. That's that's what's going to. So what get you're saying? We should uh, all watch teaser trailers, yes. but not full trailers. We should watch trailers for the trailers. But you know, no, what? those are bad. Those are like <laughs> those are, those are like terrible. five seconds. And you know what I were talking about when we say trailers for the trailers? Like when you're about to watch a movie trailer and they show you about ten seconds. That's like a super fat, a super cut of, of, things you're about to of watch. the thing you're literally just about to watch. Um, that is awful and the worst thing ever invented. It one, is of, one of the worst things that I always run across. I thought is like, poverty was bad, but no, that's but bad. those are worse. In like the theaters, <laughs> like you know how Alamo does their like coming this month, yeah. and you're yeah. seeing a trailer for the movie you're about to watch. Yes, and I'm just like, that's the worst thing that could that's ever happen. That's pretty bad. I'm yeah, like, that's pretty bad. I agree. All right. Now anyway. that we've uh, explained our philosophy of trailers, <laughs> the dissertation, so the the whole reason I, I we're going to talk about them. The reason I started this whole thing, yeah, was to make a point. Which okay. is, I I I was distressed by that, seeing the knock at the cabin trailer. Uh, I'm gonna keep calling it the knock at nope. the cabin trailer. And I will I will um, <laughs> is it the knock at the cabin. That is what's it's, called. It's called okay, that is what's called. Okay, I'm gonna try and don't, keep calling it that. Don't panic. Um, after seeing that, it was too much to reveal. And after seeing uh, Scream, which was too much to reveal, they released the D and D trailer. And I'm like, I know I want to see the D and D movie. I really like that first trailer. I don't think I want to know anymore. I'm not gonna watch this trailer. And it took. Dave about a minute of convincing me to watch the trailer. Uh, and I'm glad we did. It is a very good trailer. Yes. And and like still like like I think I knew what the plot was pretty solidly from the beginning and even a little bit of how it got there. Yep. But they're still not showing you too much. I but would we do say. know like the ultimate villain now. Well, maybe. We know we know it is a red wizard it looks right. like. Well, yeah. it's funny because Dave, you were mentioning like I hope I wonder if they'll say something about the Red Wizards, and you didn't think they would, and they, it's in the first like thirty seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, for those who don't uh, play D anD D in the Forgotten Realms setting, the Red Wizards of Thay are a big thing. They're a big scary nation of scary mm-hmm. wizard people, um, and it looks like they are playing a role in this, yeah, which like- I'm excited about. Because in that first trailer, there was some uh, wizard who was like in red, red robe somewhere, mm-hmm. and we're like, "Oh, I wonder if maybe that's one of the red wizards." And now we have seen yeah, well, confirmation. We knew we were getting D and D because they they went out of their way to show us Displacer Beast and Atlantis yeah. Cubes and all that stuff. But we didn't know we we're getting Forgotten Realms, and now it seems pretty much we're getting the Forgotten Realms, yeah, which is pretty like cool. Are. Yep, there, there's you know, of course always a question of like. You know, are they just hanging a few names on it? Uh, do they, you know, are we going to see like some cities? Is it going to, and if we see Waterdeep, will it feel like sort of like the Waterdeep of the books and things like that? Uh, I think it might. I think it might too. I've, I've got a pretty good feeling about this. Also, I know some people don't like the quippy MCU style, but those people are maybe out of step with the billions of dollars the Marvel movies have made. Also, have they ever played D&D? And I'm like, this feels right in line with D&D to me. So. <laughs> yeah. There's some there's some goofy stuff. There is a this ends here in the trailer. Of oh, course, what? someone throws out the this ends here. Yeah, yeah let's just quick say like th- as a trailer, this is mostly still like similar to that first one, which is showing that there's this band of thieves that includes what would be in D and D. Not all rogue classes. There's also there's like a barbarian in there. I think that one guy is there's a, like a paladin dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Pine is a bard. We mm-hmm. think it almost looks like uh, Michelle Rodriguez and Chris Pine are like a duo, and they that, bring in and, and they, they bring, bring in everybody because they screwed up. It looks like uh, is yeah. It, is it uh, is, is Justice Smith? Is he the guy playing the wizard? Oh, uh, we know there's yes. a druid in the mix too, and there's a druid because the she's mix, the one. Yeah. And she's the girl from it. Jean Jean Pierre, uh, the guy who's playing the paladin. The that is very. He seems to be the guy who comes to them and he's like, "Why'd you do this? Why'd you give us?" And they have to wind up working with him. He's the no nonsense. He's the non thief in their group of <laughs> yes. thieves. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> which is pretty good. There's uh, that is a classic D and D trope of somebody playing a law and order paladin amidst a bunch of chaos goblins. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so you see that they 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 once again play some Led Zeppelin. It's the same track, yep. just a little bit different editing yep. on it. 
Uh, it's very fun and energetic. See magic weapons. I think that there is a case. Yeah, like Michelle Rodriguez holds up this axe that looks like it's a freaking fire Don't axe. Hate that. It looks molten. <laughs> it looks cool. It does. Um, and uh, the, if, you know, there is a reasonable critique to be said that it's like almost too close to the Guardian style pop music and the quips and stuff like that. But again. That does fit D anD D, except for possibly the music, which we don't even know if that's going to be anything other than the trailers. Right. I'm, I'm but into if this. It, this looks super fun. If it me. was in the movie, I would actually be okay. I'll with be okay it. with that. Yeah, I like a Knight's Tale. Yeah, <laughs> Chris Pine is going to break out in Led Zeppelin. That that's his spark music. The other thing we do, <laughs> I want him to like start out playing. I, I want it to be like that scene in Knight's Tale where they play uh, the evil version of Golden it. Years yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. from 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 uh, what's the name Bowie uh, David oh. Bowie. And uh, but it starts out where it is like medieval music, and then it kind of slowly integrates into the song. He better bust out in song because Chris Pine can sing. I'm sure okay, we're gonna. Oh, I'm, he is. I'm sure we're gonna get. He that. He is a singer. He was in Into the Woods, and his right. his song. Was also, like he one of sang the best. Spidey Bells, in and he did Spidey Bells. Uh, they need to. <laughs> they need to break out song. Even if it is like some sort of like you know the equivalent of throw a, toss a coin to the Witcher, yeah, uh, kind of like semi you know mostly serious. I mean, what's like a bard spell? It's like inspirational. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> God, if they can manage to show us something that has always been elusive in my head, which is somebody doing the bardic music mid combat, yeah, I will be amazed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, I, it seems very likely that he's a harper. Uh, yeah. yeah, the, the good people guy don't know. Yeah, the Harpers are like you yeah. know they might as well be Robin Hood's people. And we should uh, prepare for Dredd showing up at some point. Cause I imagine maybe I imagine they'll be addressed. I, it just seems like if you're doing the realms, you, you have to have some kind of. Nod. I would prefer Boon Minsk, but I'll take a dress. I would absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> if they like if they like show their like you know like did like closing credits thing where they're like. They're like, uh, you know, so, you know, we moved on and we, we, you know, we were on to our next caper. Everything was going all right until, you know, we crossed the wrong guy. And you just see, like, this boot come down and there's, like, a panther paw next to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you can, like, see, like, drist, uh, you know, uh, drow skin and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Like, that'd, that'd be, be cool. the hotness. And they wouldn't even have to cast it. They, no. could, they could wait for another thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm super, I'm super excited about this. Uh, I, I can't wait to see it. And Some good I'm, funny stuff in the trailer. Yeah. Uh, then we watched the trailer for Polite Society. Yes, this is the one that uh, this is the one that to me looked a little bit. Uh, what did I say it looked like? A Bollywood version of I don't remember what you said. Um, oh, a McGee movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this is so it's a it's a girl who it's an Indian girl who wants to be a stunt woman. Uh, she has her is it her cousin or her sister? I think, I think sister. I think it's her sister. Yeah, I think it's her like sister. maybe her older sister who's like who believes in her, and like shoots videos for YouTube right. with her. Yeah, and I think now, like you got the you get the impression of a family that isn't real supportive, yep. except for the sister. And her sister starts dating this uh, this wanker. Yep. Yeah. And uh, and her and his evil mom uh, and. She basically, she and her sort of nerdy stunt friends are going to have to rescue her sister from this uh, yeah. evil uh, wedding. It looks like a lot of fun. It's got some great sort of uh, wire foo type. Yeah, uh, yeah. It had that sort of heightened reality of a like Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, but also like Bollywood movies. From yeah. what I know, uh, this is speaking from mostly inexperience. But uh, yeah, it looked like somewhere between they were like some dumb kids doing like pulling off a kind of ridiculous heist mm -hmm. uh, to a little bit of a heightened reality where they were actually doing like kind of like martial arts with lots of flips and wire foo stuff. Yep. Um, it looks like a ton of fun. It does it's look a, It's a really good trailer. Um, is, is it any particular pedigree? I don't know. It's I, I, they, they put up the names and I did not know any of the people involved. Okay. So... Um, it looks good. You know what? what what's the movie that's the big one? Uh, like Triple R R R R. Is that how you say it? Uh -huh. R R R. Is that really how you say it? Yep. Just like how, that? Isn't that um, how Mork laughed on Mork and Mindy? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I don't think it was a reference. I didn't think so either. But it is how he laughed on Mork and Mindy. <laughs> um, anyway, um, point, Dave. Uh, but that seems to that movie has taken taken people by storm. Yep. Everybody I know who's seen it is like this movie uh, made my head explode it's in delightful. a good way. It's great. I'm gonna get around to it eventually, and uh, uh, and I, I hope this will. I'm always I'm always happy to see kind of new cultural influences. Yep. Like man, in the '90s, I could not have been more on board the in the early '90s the Hong Kong explosion, yeah. uh, John Woo, Jackie Chan, and all that stuff. They need to watch um, it before they make RRRR, which I assume will be the sequel, or RRRR, which I assume will be the, the part, third part of the trilogy. Um, is that uh, with when the pirates are in it? Yeah. R -R 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 -R. <laughs> Um, oh dear! We also watched the animated trailer for Batman: Doom that came to Gotham. Right for 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 those who don't know on that, it was an Elseworlds from about what fifteen years At ago, least. maybe. 
that was written by Mike Mignola of Hellboy fame. With and, art and, by him, right? Or no, he... it was somebody else. Oh, okay. It was somebody else. Uh, one of those, the kind of person who would work on a Hellboy book, yeah, though. Yeah. And it had, um, it, it was a Lovecraftian adventure set in like the 1920s. Bruce was like an explorer. I thought they did a neat trick in the comics of having like, all the Robins were like his wards who were on his like, uh, you know, ex- exploration yeah. edition, uh, yeah. uh, expedition. They were all, you know, like cabin boys essentially that were like, go get this, go do that. It was almost 23 years ago. Yeah, wow. sounds about right. Uh, so that was actually, okay, before then, uh, possibly before I started working at uh, Dragon's Lair, a.k.a. Proto-Rogues Gallery. published uh, <laughs> November 2000 uh, to January 2001. Okay, maybe right around, uh, maybe just having gotten on board. Anyway, it's pretty good. I can't say I was ever, like, fully in love with it, but pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, as, as a comic. So here comes the animated adaptation, and I have to say, it looks like they changed so much stuff that a lot of, it's like supernatural st- uh, concepts yeah. stated, but like all specifics, and maybe even a lot of the Lovecraft stuff didn't look like it made it. Yeah, there's a yeah. couple of moments of Lovecraftian, but mostly it doesn't seem Like to they be. have the demon in it, and yeah. like poison ivy, yep. and I, I don't know, it was like Solomon Grundy, or somebody, some, there were some other people there was, in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot sure. more, and I know that there was a, the, a few magic people did show up in the original Doom that came to Gotham, but I don't think it was that many. Yeah, uh, The Penguin was the main one, I remember. Yeah, right? yeah. The Penguin was just briefly in that And trailer. I think he was just supposed to be like Oswald Cobblepot Explorer, who became infected with this weird Lovecraftian virus and had weird polyps and tentacles. And then turned into a weird Penguin Man. Turned into a weird Penguin Man. Um, I think with, like a lot of these animations, things just get changed. Yeah, they're they're just like we will take the name, yeah. we will take one scene from it, yeah. and the rest is ours. Now it didn't look bad necessarily. No, no, it's just, it's uh, like what we expect. Yeah, like, animation looked pretty good. If you like the demon and DC mysticism, Justice League Dark, anything like that, you might be into it. But you don't, uh, you don't come surprised they haven't. But where were all the tentacles? <laughs> Jesus, you don't come surprised they haven't done animated those. Is deceased. That seems like made for animation. I mean, I'm sure it's coming. I'm maybe. betting that they there, there may be sort of a bit of a gentleman's agreement to wait until he's finished with the final yeah. arc, which he's about, he's to, about be. to do. Yeah, yeah. But deceased? Did they ever do? In, I mean, I know Injustice Maybe had a video game. That's what James Gunn is going. They did do Injustice. Did they do an Injustice? I feel like they did. They yeah. did. Maybe that's what James Gunn is going to announce later this month. He's going to be like, "We're doing a deceased." Our first live action project in the DC oh. universe will be deceased. I mean, that well, would be that'd be amazing. I would be, be like, yeah. "Yes, you've now won me over." DC. Yes. <laughs> that would not win me over. I. It's I not mean, where you start. It's not where you start. Yeah. Unless I'll say this though, the one thing that Tom Taylor did was surprise me, but because like his Injustice comics as we often yep, talked about, yep. were more DC than the actual DC books that were yep. going at the time. Yep. And, uh, he, you know, if they, to handle, you know, like, that was felt like a one in a million shot. So I also feel like it's a one in a million shot that they could pull it off with a big yeah. deceased first. But eh, we'll see. I wouldn't, like, immediately condemn it, but it would not fill me with enthusiasm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and then we watched the trailer for Marlowe. So, Philip Marlowe, classic Private Eye, yep. Raymond Chandler's uh, leading character in his mystery novels, uh, detective novels of what, thirties, forties, forties, fifties, something like somewhere, somewhere back in the old, and 40s. somewhere back in the ancient times, somewhere between that and ancient Rome. I think it was late thirties, early forties. Um, uh, but now played uh, by Liam Neeson, who is older and more distinctly Irish than I believe the character has ever been. Yeah, he's Irish, right? Does that, did we I mean, determine he, no, that? He's still doing his he's doing his Liam Neeson accent, which is more of a, sort of American. He didn't but he's, break into his Michael there's, Collins. There's always a little bit of that <laughs> it's Irishness. A, it, in his, it's in his like thing. floating around in the and back. And Colmini is in it too. Now, Irishmen did exist in America at that time. <laughs> what? Um, no, I, I don't. The first Irishman came to America in 1972. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's right. Um, uh, I uh, don't uh, know a ton of Philip Marlowe stuff. Uh, I've read I've read some of the novels, but it's been a bit. I don't remember if they ever remark much about his backstory and his past. For all I know, they like make a point of him being have like notable Irish blood in him. Maybe I don't think I. I looked. I tried to look up and see where, and it does not <laughs> seem that way. I think but, this. But the current author or the author that was that wrote the book that this is based off of yeah. is an Irishman. So okay. I probably think, and it feels like he's written multiple books. I don't know if he okay. is like the. Uh, steward of uh, Philip Marlowe uh, yeah? okay. after the fact. 
My notion is that this maybe got made because Knives Out was a success, and they're like, oh, we've had this script floating around for a few years of uh, Hardball Detective. There's been a zillion movies with Philip Marlowe, but now might be the right time to try it. The only thing is, we probably can't get it made unless we get a big star to hang their hat on, uh, and Liam Neeson ended up being it. <laughs> yeah, He is I mean, a tough guy, right? Yeah, yeah. He's oh, a tough yeah. guy. Um, the trailer looked solid, I would say. Uh, pretty classic mystery stuff. He's hired. There appear to be double crosses. A fight occurs. Cars, uh, old-timey 30s cars drive around. <laughs> There's a femme fatale and Diane Kruger. There's a femme Diane fatale. Right? Yeah. yeah. And just uh, Jessica Lange playing the uh, evil femme fatale, older femme fatale. Yeah. Like, it could come through, but it's the kind of thing that, like, it's hard to judge it from this trailer. I also feel like it could be forgotten in a week. Uh, potentially. Yeah. I mean, as much as I love Liam Neeson at times, most of his movies are kind of forgettable. Yeah. A lot of, uh, a lot of stuff just made to make. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Marlowe's kind of a big name, though. Like, I, I, it is. Uh, I, something about this trailer looked, it, it looked expensive and everything. It just, it did look like one of these, uh, Liam Neeson movies. Well, I think, uh, Liam Neeson also, is also a fan of the genre because I know he, er, did a, uh, iteration of, it was called Walk Among the Tombstones, but it was like yeah, one of those an, another book. an adaptation another book, yeah. of like oh, not yeah. an existing franchise. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I can't remember who wrote it. It's not Haran, it, but it's a good writer, and it's like I, I, I like Liam Neeson by by all means a talented actor, but I don't know that he's the right guy for these roles. Yeah, um, I actually and I feel like there's even like there's some there are name actors that are you know yeah. uh, pretty pretty big stars who could who would probably be a better better take on this. Yeah. But um, I wish it well. I like noir as a, as a genre. Yeah. I'd like it to be good. Yeah, like you know, um, uh, what is it? L.A. Confidential in particular was a rare yeah, kind of crowd so pleaser good. one. Which those two guys were not big yet at the time, yeah. though. Uh, Russell Crowe and uh, Guy Pearce. Yeah. Um, well, who's the biggest name? Kim Basinger. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, Kevin Spacey and James Cromwell. Uh, I guess those those right. they had some character actors to hang their hat right. that hat on. But um, but yeah, like. Theoretically, this movie could surprise us all and be like something like that, or it could become nothing. Yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah uh, you know, ho- hopefully it does. Uh, last bit of news: not trailers, but a, se- a couple sequels announced. They're going to be doing Violent Night two. Yep, which I'm excited for. I really like Violent yeah. Night. I will, I will definitely watch more of that. I don't exactly. know anybody who saw it and and disliked it. I think everybody liked it to some degree. Oh, also, that I heard streaming uh, on was it. Peacock it's or somewhere. Paramount? It's streaming somewhere, yeah. Randy, were you yeah. about to say I have a different set of friends than you because your friends poo-pooed it? No, I was about to say if you dislike Violent Night, you are a Krampus. <laughs> uh, that's, but some uh, people might want to be the Krampus because it's cool. If you dislike Viol- Violent Night, then you are the Krampus. This is the equation. Yes. I feel like the sequel should be him versus Krampus. I agree. That'd be awesome. Uh... And then uh, the M3 gun is getting a sequel. <laughs> yes. Uh, by the way, if you haven't seen uh, Megan referred to as Mathrigan in the uh, uh, in the meme that has uh, Garvey, Mr. Garvey from the uh, Key and Peele sketch, Peel? just Google that yeah, real quick. Yeah. And Nick, um, you said M3 gun is streaming now, right? Or is well, it available it, for sale? It's available for sale. Uh, it hit digital today and, uh, uh, unexpectedly. And Nick, and Nick uh, in, in addition to pressing play, Nick also presses buy. Uh, on something I've been wanting to watch, and I, I just haven't had time to go to the theater, and if I can just go upstairs and watch it in my uh, house, sure, I'll yeah, do that. Yeah. For yeah, the same cost think, of movie tickets? I think you'll enjoy it. We every, every, The other rogues have all seen it, except for, I think, John, Yep, uh, and we all enjoyed it. Yep. We're going to watch an Android dance. That's, what I, that's yep. all I know. You will, yeah, you will. That will be in there. You will believe an Android can dance. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, let's take a break, and then we're going to talk about some TV and a, an actual book. Okay, so we like to keep things timely here at the Roadcast. Yes. So we're going to talk about a show from, like, 1993. Oh, interesting. Uh, uh, so, Dave, you've already talked about this, I think, on previous shows, but uh, you do a, you do a Text Trek podcast, and part of your podcast is you are watching all of Dark Deep Space Nine for the first time. Yeah, when we don't have... When we're between new episodes of shows to discuss, we, we will sometimes go back and do some retro reviews, and we've, we are now... Uh, we have finally made it to the final season of Deep Space Nine. Oh, you're on the final season. Yeah, when we when we uh, review these, uh, we review them in blocks of about eight episodes because seasons are about twenty four episodes. 
Uh, so, um, 8 times 3 is 24? That's the thirds. Right, yes, those yeah. are thirds. So, yeah, we, we, we do three episodes per season. So I guess that means we will have ended up doing 21 episodes on Deep Space Nine when all is said and done with, for its seven seasons. So how far, how many episodes do you have left before you finish watching it? Um, I am just starting the uh, the season, so I've got like 20 episodes or something like oh, that. Oh, okay, so you're very new to Okay, yeah. So... Part of this, and, and I've been wanting to do this, I think that you talking about it and other people talking about it have finally gotten to me the point of like, okay, it's time to, to watch. I watched when Deep Space Nine was, was first on, scattered episodes of it. And, and, and you may remember, I, I didn't even really watch that. I think I tried the first episode just to see what its vibe yeah. was. I didn't plug into it. I was already, by the way, the, uh, like I, I think I was already maybe like a Babylon 5 loyalist. And and I was like, I don't need you anymore, Star Trek. Yeah. I've got the new thing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this ain't a diss on Babylon Five, but I do think like when all is said and done, I will be able to say Deep Space Nine is the better show. Um, but that will still won't be a diss on Babylon Five, which is a great show. Watch out, JMS is behind you. Uh, <laughs> hit you. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I did not give it its fair shake. In I, the 90s. Yeah, and, and just like Babylon Five had a pretty pretty weak pilot. Yeah, the gathering. Yeah. Um, Actually, I like the pilot of, of Deep Space Nine, but but, I, but it's not, it's not what it became. It's not what it became. I feel fully. like Deep Space Nine is the same way. The pilot is is solid. That scene in the pilot where everybody is about to leave the station and he blackmails Quark into staying yes. on the station. Yeah. Um, I was like, that is a hint of Cisco's style. Yeah, like, it is. It is it a is. hint of how he's going to be running yeah. things. <laughs> and they actually did have a pretty good sense of where they were going. Although they also had plenty of like kind of you know basically early season stumbles or a how much do we want to be like next generation and have like one-off kind of exploratory episodes right. and how much do we want to have these episodes about political intrigue and the Bajoran slash wormhole slash Cardassian complex stuff. So because I watched and like bits and pieces of it, because so many of my friends call it the best track, yep. I decided it was time for me to dive into season one and I wound up watching all of season one. I had started re- recently and then I jumped back into it this last couple weeks and caught yep. up. And so I've watched the first, like, what, 20 episodes of this season one. Something like that, yep. And, um, and just a little bit of season and two, a tiny as I bit recall. of season two. And it's really good. Like, season one has a couple dud episodes. Yep. And it is a little more, seri- it's a little more um, one-off than serialized. It yep. definitely still feels a little old Trek. But, like, to compare it to its the, the only predecessor it had near to it at the Next time. Next Generation. Next Generation, which had literally, like, two seasons of almost no good episodes. Yeah. Few exceptions. Yeah. But almost no good episodes until season three. <laughs> You're like, oh, wow, this is this is a much better track record. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's it's really good. I, uh, I love the cast. I love the characters. And I remember when it first came on, this is, again, right before Babylon 5, and everyone was like, how are you going to show where it's all a space station? Like nobody ever goes anywhere. Yeah, but this is how you do it. It's it, there's politics and religion and uh, and you know in, in conflict about like uh, the Federation ideals running up against a more capitalistic society that they're in. Yep. It's it's interesting. They also basically they created uh, a sort of not to get too grimly real world, but a kind of Israel Palestine complex situation yeah, for sure. Where the immediate withdrawal of the Cardassians who had taken over Bajor, uh, right next to the station, um, had left the planet in total political turmoil. They had, like, a provisional government that was always in that first season, especially, in a constant state of collapse. Right, and Um, especially when they're dealing with, like, the freedom fighters, they're, like, people who were great at fighting the Cardassians are maybe not great at governing. Right, (laughs) and there's people trying to take advantage of it. Yep. There's, uh, like... Uh, religious sects that are kind of trying to do like, oh, this is our chance to reunite Bajor under like, uh, what do you call it, extremist religious yeah. rhetoric. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're just getting that to that right now with the Bajoran uh, yep. uh, the circle. Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Randy, let me ask uh, first of all, like, what uh, what are your, some of your favorite characters? Uh, Kira Norris, I would die for her. Yes, yeah, she's she fantastic. Is, she is the hard ass that Trek needed. Yeah. She's like she she goes harder than Worf. Yeah, sorry, she sorry, Worf. She absolutely does. Um, uh, and, so I love, I, I love, and never apologizes. Love her. Uh, love Odo. Yeah. Uh, the sort of Law and Order changeling. Yeah. Even though A Cab includes Odo. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Randy, did they do that episode that there was uh, uh, in season one that has a flashback to when it was Terok Nor before it became Deep no. Space Nine? No, they didn't do that till okay. later. That, that I know there's there's at least several that actually yeah, do that, yeah. and there's an interesting Odo story that goes back that flashes back to his uh, days. I also love Quark. The uh, they, they it really is shocking. They rescued the Ferengi in this whole they thing. Did. Like the Ferengi were a concept they never really kind of worked, 
And here, Quark is like comedically capitalist. Yes. Uh, and also like, it's but like the writing is just funnier. Sometimes with them. he gets, sometimes he gets over on him. Sometimes he he wins his little bits. Yep. And the way he and Odo, like Odo sees him as a nuisance, but a sometimes useful nuisance. Yep. And he also genuinely kind of likes him, even though he hates him too. Right. It's it's a really they have good a little bit. It's not quite the same, but you know, it's a uh, uh, what is it? A uh, Rick and Louie from Casablanca yep. going on. Uh, not quite that, uh, but but there's something of that to it. Uh, and then of course we've got O'Brien from Next Gen as like the working man of Trek. Yep, he's he, great. He gets better and better as time goes by too, to the point where. Uh, that gag they had in the first season of Lower Decks that he was like the greatest hero of the Federation. Yes. <laughs> uh, like, as I'm watching it, I was like, man, there are actually so many times he saved their bacon. Yeah. yeah. And, and, like, he kind of like his, I'm kind of constantly done with this shit yeah. kind of attitude yeah. is fun. But he also, over time, is more overtly, he's the family guy there. Yeah. He's got a wife and a kid. Yeah. And, um, they, uh, it's, it's actually, uh, although Keiko was sometimes painted as the, in the writers even sometimes screwed this up. They they, they made her a little bit of the harpy, yeah. right? Ever sometimes she was the the buzzkill. Yeah. Um, but they also I think that she gets a bad rap because that's how people viewed it in the '90s. And a woman who kind of stood up for herself and for her kids sometimes yeah. uh, was just not as well liked. Like yeah. Rose just didn't like. That. It's interesting because I, as I watch it, I love Keiko. I think yeah. she's great. You just hit an episode, Randy, where <laughs> the uh, the Bajorans like extreme religious sect is like, uh, what's the deal? They're like, they're, they're, she, they're like she's teaching. She's them. teaching about the wormhole and the scientific thing, and they're like, no, the wormhole is a. Is it was a created by God. Our, it's created by God, our holy prophets, and she's like, and they basically like teach the controversy thing. Yeah, and it was. A not at all subtle but very well done like uh, religious, religious wackos versus teacher. Yep. And Keiko was standing in for the teacher, so of course I loved her. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's it's really good. I like all the characters. Um, Notable know. episodes. Uh, man, the uh, the one that has the guy who who claims to have run the labor camp. Yeah, this is one of the great episodes of season one. Is duet. Yeah, yeah. There's a dude who they're like, oh yeah, this guy was one of the higher ups at it'd be like Auschwitz, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And we we got him, and then you find out there's some wheels within wheels going yeah. on, um, and um, uh, things might not be what they seem. Yeah. Um, and this guy might actually be trying to do something good, but like, does does he deserve forgiveness yeah. for his role and all this stuff? This are this was that was like a, a an episode that it feels like a keynote to to, to yeah. the series. Yeah. There were I, I can't remember specifics other than that, but there were a lot of there were a lot of really good episodes of that first season. So yeah. I'm looking forward. I just watched the three part opener of season two. I will it's say, really good. It's a rare case where I really do feel it gets better and better. Yeah. And that the uh, the deficiencies of Ron Moore's follow up work, Galactica, which has a lot of great stuff right. but falls down in the final seasons Man, I feel like they almost did the opposite here. Yeah, and well, he really had a plan. Well, Ronald Moore and then the writing room was top notch. Ronald D. Moore wasn't on the first season, was he? Didn't he come in later? That is true. That and is I true. Think, I think when he comes on it, it gets notably better. Uh, yeah, I think that is that, that would probably be the case. Rick Berman and But they must Michael... have, they had set up some structure and stuff like that yeah. that he was able to key off of that I think it comes together really well. Now I haven't seen the finale, but so far they have shown me that they know how to do finales. Yeah. Um Nick, you and I read a book. We did. I mean, you read books all the time, but I'm just, I, I decided you to decided a, you wanted to do some reading. I again. decided to do some. There was a, there was a meme posted of like twelve books, but recommended by twelve different friends. So I posted to my friends. I was like, "Hey, recommend me twelve books," and I put them with no. I just took the first twelve people recommended me. So I've yeah. got a soccer tactics book on there. You didn't vet it hardcore. I, I did not. A friend posted the like the soccer book that Coach Beard is reading in Ted Lasso, and it was a joke. Because he knows I like Ted Lasso and I don't yeah. watch soccer. But I put it on there, and he's like, oh, that was a joke. I'm like, no, I know, but I'm going to try it. <laughs> so that, that, we'll see. That'll be the challenge. So I, I borrowed a bunch of books from our staffer, Serena, who read like 100-plus books last year. Yep. yep. And by, Sometimes I feel like she read 100-plus books last week. I think she might be reading one right now. Yes. Um, and so uh, I, she recommended one. And I, that was the first book I read. And uh, that book is Mexican Gothic. Yes. Which, Nick, you also got and read in, like, a, a day. Yes. It took me four days, which for me is a pretty big increase in how I've been reading. <laughs> and I believe it would take me a week to two weeks. Yeah. Um, so, I don't want to give away twists or the ending or anything, but the basics of it is, this is in 1950s Mexico. Yes. And it is a socialite named Nomi. Yeah. 
Naomi and Naomi. Yeah. Uh, she is. Um, she basically uh, has been sort of uh, flitting around Mexico City. Her father, who is kind of like a a, a wealthy man, he runs a paint and paint, yeah paint uh, paint bit company business. Yes, yeah. and so he's like your cousin married this uh, English man from a smaller Mexican village, and she sent me this letter, and she's he's like. Look, if you go investigate this, uh, I will let you go to anthropology school, and I'll pay for it, and you can well, do whatever you want. Yeah, the letter is very ranty and yeah. kind of deranged. It's uh, a little weird. It's a little odd. It's an odd letter. Uh, so she goes out to this this small town. She goes to this place called the High Place, yes. right? Which is a moldering mansion that looks like it was built. It looks like they brought it out of England it's somehow. It's at the top of like a, not a mountain per se, but it's but, a, it's close enough. And it is sort of isolated from the small village around it. It used to be the this family that runs a silver mine yep. that is dried up. And her, her cousin married into this family. And... Uh, it was described in the in the, the I think the Guardian review that's on the back of the the, the book mm-hmm. described it as the Bronte sisters uh, meets Lovecraft. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's about right. It's got sort of Lovecraftian haunted house stuff going on. It has. It also feels very Del Toro. Yeah. Uh, overtones of Crimson Peak. Uh, yeah, but there's there is that gothic romance kind of thing oh, yeah. to it too. Did it's, you ever watch Crimson Peak? I did not, but Crimson I think Peak I might need to. Crimson Peak is an actual gothic yeah. horror movie yeah. but with loves- dark secrets and love and things yeah. like that all tied up in it. This is really, really good and I, I, I found it super compelling. It's interesting to me to see a protagonist who is a young woman in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Like, she is very independent-minded. She's always talking about, you know, she smokes her cigarettes and that kind of thing, but she is also very proper. She and is. so, like any, if you had a standard male protagonist, they would they would have been swinging on on the bad on the people right away. Right. But she has to live up to this propriety. Like she's in her as an agent of her father, and she can't embarrass her family, and she can't just say, "Hey, no, I'm taking my cousin to get the fuck out of this weird right, place." Because like, she's a woman; she doesn't have rights. She, she can't. She can't do that, and so she has to work within the means that she has, and it's. But they give really her a character and a, and a history of like she's studying anthropology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I thought it was like in, instantly compelling. Oh yeah, uh, uh, the writing is just so. I don't know. I could chew on the writing. Oh yeah, uh, is, it, is it a recent book? Uh, I'm not sure. I think actually. it came out in 2020. Okay, pretty recent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this uh, this art author is uh, Sylvia Moreno Hernandez, I think. Yeah, I don't remember the name. Uh, but uh, she's written a few things. I guess that uh, they're all been pretty well reviewed. But this was really, really interesting, and I was reading it at a. I was trying to read for. I set myself a goal of two chapters a day, which would get me done with it by the end of the month. Yeah. And instead, uh, I found myself reading three or four. Then when I got to the last, the big, the big reveal comes about fifty, sixty pages before the end of like what's actually going on. And after that, I could not stop reading. Right. Like, I had to it's know where Silvia to go. Silvia Marino-Garcia. Silvia Marino-Garcia. I do like when a book can can make those last 50 pages just be, like, the oh, yeah. most amazing thing ever. And now, Randy, would you say, this sounds like it was a good one to kind of get you kicked, but jump-started on back into reading some books? Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm also... Did, was it just luck that you picked this particular one, or did well, you kind of decide, no, I, I need well, to start with this one? I, I knew... Serena recommended several books, and I knew that I kind of wanted to avoid just white male authors. Right. Uh, and so I, a, a Hispanic uh, woman author was good. A horror is sort of outside. I don't usually read a lot of horror. I tend to read crime and used to read more sci-fi fantasy. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like wanted to st- step outside the crime genre. And so, yeah, this felt like a good... And it was, I'd heard it was a quicker read. It was a, it was a good read. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, it's 300 pages. Yeah. It's, it's not like a hardcore endeavor or anything. No, I burned, I burned through it pretty quick. And it's it's really good. It's 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 got... Uh, the writing is really strong. the The ideas are really good. Like it's it's definitely worth a read. Yeah the 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 claustrophobicness of the yeah. house and yeah. the there are elements in there that really make for an exceptional story. Yeah. Uh, and Nick, you were going to mention the Woman King, which uh, you you watched a couple weeks ago. I, think. I did. I, I I like to press play. Uh, <laughs> I knew that this was getting some buzz. I don't know if it actually got nominated for anything for the Oscars. Uh, but this is uh, Gina Price uh, Byth, uh, Bythewood, who uh, directed The Old Guard uh, for Netflix. Right, I saw that. And this is basically her getting a, an extended budget to do sort of a semi-historical uh, uh, story about uh, the African kingdom of Dahomey. Uh, and it has an all-female like guard uh, mm-hmm. that were used like extreme tactics and very powerful... 
Uh, if I'm not mistaken, they are probably the prototype f- that uh, he used for the Dormelage. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. And this stars uh, Viola Davis and has Lashana Lynch playing a, a kind of pivotal character. Uh, it feels like a classic movie. Like one they would have made in like the 2000s that was crowd-pleasing mm-hmm. and uh, which we don't tend to get those. I mean, we'll get a biopic every once in a while that kind of uh, forms to that mm-hmm. formula. But I was impressed with uh, just the characters in this. I think Viola Davis is amazing. And she, it wasn't a dusty historical epic? No, no. It was kind of that grand epic where mm-hmm. there were good set pieces. Uh, John Boyega plays the king of this uh, kingdom. Huh. Uh, and he gets to... That's an interesting role. That sounds like a fun role for him. He, he is, because he is like charismatic. Uh, but he's also a king, and he wants you to obey him. So there's definitely yeah. kind of that aspect to him as well. What, what, what year also, is it in this? Uh, I believe it is in 1800s. Sort of when slavery is... Uh, at its peak, they're selling yeah, their pe- their own people in. to the English people who are coming over. Yeah. So that is a big kind of uh, sticking point for the movie on uh, them selling their own kin sure. to uh, slavers. Uh, and that is kind of at its crux, along with Viola Davis uh, dealing with some familial things in a, uh, in a unique way I, that I did not wholly expect. Okay. Uh, Lashana Lynch plays sort of her lieutenant, mm-hmm. and uh, she is very charismatic. I, I love Lashana Lynch, and I yeah, I think she got she was in 007, right? And I yes. feel like she got a little miscast, yeah, or not miscast, but underutilized. They, did, they didn't give her enough to do, right? Yeah, and here they were like, "Oh, you're you you can do whatever you want. You're you're <laughs> awesome," and I really appreciate it. The action set pieces. It always those Bond movies did actually a very good job of taking people who were amazing actors and giving them nothing to do. Yeah. Christoph Waltz and her and lots of people. <laughs> but the action pieces are great. I definitely uh, would recommend it. It's a it's a good movie. Uh, it's it's a longer movie. I think it's like two and a half hours. But I didn't. It always moved at kind of a brisk pace. It didn't ever kind of feel bogged down. Still shorter than what La- uh, Avatar and maybe <laughs> RRR. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, for sure. Um, Nick, where's it streaming? It's not at the moment. Son of a bitch, why'd you do this, Nick? I know. Wait, is it not? I don't think it is. I think it's ultimately going to come to Netflix. Because I thought, I thought I had it on my list to watch. Maybe it was just being advertised you watch on, it like, on a TV. pirate network. No, I bought it because I buy things. Yeah, our pirate Nick. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to come up. It popped up on Voodoo for $10, and I was like, sure. That's, uh, that's yeah, okay. an easy thing, but that's I probably, think ulti- that's probably what I saw was an ad for. Or I think ultimately, because it's Sony, it's going to come to Netflix. Yep, I think that's the agreement that they have. Uh, and I would have, I thought it would have come out before the nominations for the Academy Awards, but uh, I guess not. It's just too bad. Uh, cool. That sounds that sounds yeah. fun. Yeah, it was. I a definitely want to check it out. Uh, all right, that will do it for us this week, and we'll be back next week. But until that time. Yo, Joe! Roguecast is a weekly podcast broadcast from Rogue's Gallery Comics and Games in Round Rock, Texas. You can find us online on Facebook and at www.roguesgallerytx.com and email us comments or questions at roguesgallerytx at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.